Well, it is a sheer joy for us to be here with you all this morning. I'm so glad this worked out. The Lord arranged it. Uh, Lori and I rejoice in what the Lord is doing uh, through this body of believers. It is, it is exciting to us. And, and we say, unto Him be glory in the church. That He's glorified in all these things that, that He is working out through our lives. Um, one of the highlights of the year for me has, uh, has been in our, our little adult Sunday school class back home. We've been studying the book of Hebrews uh, for the last year. And, and we just spent about two months in chapter 11, uh, which is a really rich place to spend some time. And, uh, and I thought this morning I'd just, just like to share with you, to point out to you a couple of verses that really blessed me as we uh, worked our way through that, that wonderful chapter. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's first go to the Lord in another word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do look to You in this hour. We look to You as our, as our gracious supplier of all we need. We pray that You would minister to our hearts today. Everybody here has some needs. And we pray that You would meet our needs by the gracious help of the Holy Spirit. You'd help me in talking about these glorious words that some of the glory might come forth. That we might appreciate You more. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a little background then on Hebrews chapter 11. If you're not, not real familiar with it, you probably know at least that it's about the subject of faith. It's one of the most famous chapters in the Bible, I guess. I mean, really what the writer is doing, it seems to me, is he's making the case that the just shall live by faith. He actually quotes that verse right at the end of chapter 10, verse 38 from Habakkuk. Uh, My righteous one shall live by faith. Faith, you know that verse is quoted in in Romans and in Galatians, and so it seems what he's doing in in chapter eleven is is hammering home this thought that salvation is by faith. Uh, the Jews at at this time were teaching that salvation was something you could earn by doing good works, by keeping the law well enough, you could work your way into the good graces of God and be accepted with Him. And so what the writer does to confront this is he goes back into the history of the Jews and he brings forth one by one these great heroes from the Old Testament that the Jews look to as, as paragons of righteousness and he holds them up one at a time and and, and demonstrates that, that it wasn't that they gained approval by what they did, but rather they gained approval by their faith. And it was by faith that they did the great acts that they accomplished. The faith came first, in other words. And then the works flowed out of that. So that's what he's demonstrating one by one. He starts uh, with Abel in verse 4, and then I'd like for us to consider Enoch in verse 5. Just verses 5 and 6 we'll read this morning. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found 
because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Enoch. Enoch, in verse 5. It says he was the seventh generation from Adam. So you could say Enoch was one of the old timers way back there. And we don't know much about old Enoch except this verse here. And and there's a couple mentioned in other places and then there's there's a few verses back in Genesis 5. Uh, I thought I could read those to you also Genesis 5:21 uh gives a real brief summary of Enoch's life. It says and Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Notice the two things it says about Enoch, or the one thing it says two times about Enoch. His biography summed up in four words. Enoch walked with God. Verse 22, it says, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Think of that. We think it's a big deal to walk with God for 50 years. Boy, I don't know if I can hang on that long. He walked with God 300 years at least. And and then verse 24, it says it again, and Enoch walked with God. Um, so what what's unique about Enoch's life? Well, it says he was not for God took him. Uh, back in Hebrews 11, uh, it says he was taken up so he should not see death. He, he was taken up right straight to heaven. He didn't die. Uh, God just took him home. Uh, quite a thing. And it goes on to say he was not found because God took him up. <laughs> they went looking for him. They couldn't find him. They couldn't find a body. Or He's gone. He just, he just went right to heaven. Uh, so it's a very unusual thing, right? I, I think Elijah is maybe the other example we have in the, the Old Testament of one that, that God just came and took right straight to glory uh, without having to die. It's a huge honor that God bestowed upon this man Enoch. Uh, to take him right home. And so the question is, why? Uh, What was it that was special about Enoch's life uh, that merited such an honor? Why did God do this? Well, it goes on to give some explanation in verse 5. It says, for he obtained the witness. And I think that witness there is, is just the testimony of Scripture. What does the Bible say about him? He obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Enoch was pleasing to God. And, and, and we know what we just read from, from Genesis 5, that he walked with God. That's what pleased God. He was walking with God all those years. Um, God was very real and very rich to old Enoch. And over these 300 years, it's like he just got closer and closer and closer to the Lord until at last one day the Father just called him home. Just, just come on. Come on home. And uh, come on with me. And the Lord took him at that point. And so it says that Enoch was pleasing 
to God. And then it's like the writer takes this thought of Enoch pleasing to God and just expands upon it in the next verse, in verse 6. This thought of pleasing to God. Uh, What's involved in that? How do you do it? How did Enoch do it? Verse 6 is where we'll spend the rest of our time this morning. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The great problem, the great problem that every single person has is the one that this verse talks about. Uh, The problem is, how am I going to please God? How am I going to come to God, it says. How am am I going to get accepted with God? How am I going to get on God's good side? How am I going to get God to smile upon me? How How am I going to get God to give me the things that I must have? How's that going to happen? Uh, how am I going to establish a relationship with God? How, how am I going to make God into my friend? How, how's God going to become my father? How's that going to work? How am I going to do that? How am I going to obtain some favor and grace from God? And, and that is a very big problem, isn't it? It's a very big problem for lost folks. Um, because God, because of who God is, God is is infinitely glorious. God is transcendent. He's infinitely above us. He's he's way up there and we're way down here. He's the creator. We're the creature. But that isn't the biggest problem. Just that God is so great and we're so weak and small. Big problem is God is so holy. God is holy. And we are defiled. Uh, we, as sinners, we've got 10,000 sins hanging on us all the time. How, how am I, a sinner, going to come to God? How am I going to approach to Him? How am I going to please Him? When, when really, in my heart, I'm in full-scale rebellion against Him. I'm angry with Him. And His wrath, rightly, burns against me in my sin because He's holy and I'm defiled. You see, it's, it's a big problem, this question. How are we going to come to God? How are we going to be accepted with God? You know, how, how do I end up in the spot old Enoch was in of being pleasing to Him? Well, the verse here in, in verse 6 gives us kind of a one-word answer to all those questions of how do we go to God. The answer is faith. It says, without faith... It is impossible to please Him. Faith is the the one essential ingredient that we must have. It is the one way by which we must come if we're going to be pleasing to God. If we're going to be welcomed by Him. If we're going to have a relationship with Him. If we're going to have our problems dealt with. Our huge problems of sin and need. We've got to come by faith. You've got to know some truth about God. You've got to believe that truth. You've got to rest on that truth. You've got to put all your weight on that truth that God's revealed to you. That's the only way that it's going to happen. It is, it is by faith. God promises here great reward to the one who comes by faith. He promises nothing at all to the one who doesn't come 
by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You're not going to make any progress at all pleasing God, trying to come any other way. It is solely by faith. I thought of the story there in Acts 16 with the uh, the Philippian jailer. Remember that? Uh, Paul and Silas are in, in prison and God breaks open the prison with a big earthquake and the jailer comes staggering out before him saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And their answer, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's it. Believe. Exercise faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But the verse here tells us more than than simply that faith is the essential ingredient in coming to God. It actually goes on and tells us a couple of the essential things we must believe in order to come to God. What do we have to believe? How can that faith be exercised? He says, he who comes to God must believe first that he is. Must believe that he is. It's a belief in the existence of the true God. Must believe that he is Really there. That He is. Kind of reminds me of, of what God uh, spoke to Moses back at the burning bush in the, in the desert. Remember that? Uh, God has told Moses that, that He's going to go down to Egypt. He's going to lead uh, the Israelites to freedom. And Moses says to God, well, well, who shall I tell them has sent me to do this? And God says, I am that I am. Just tell them that I am has sent you. He is the I Am. That is His name. He's the God that is. The God who simply is. There's no beginning with Him. There's no ending with Him. There's no changing around in between. He simply is. He just simply exists in all the splendor of all of His attributes. He is uh, our glorious, unchanging God as He ever has been, ever will be. Believe that He is. But notice, it's not just a belief that there is some kind of God out there. It's not just some kind of God. You know, everybody in the world just about believes in some kind of God. Very few atheists in the world, percentage-wise. You run into a lot of them on campuses, I know, that claim that. But really, most people believe in some kind of God. Well, some kind of God doesn't get you there. It says, must believe that He is. It is Him. It is a certain God. It is the God of the Bible. It's the God of old Enoch. It's the God of Moses there in the burning bush. It's the God of Peter and Paul. It's it's the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, a God that exists in a Godhead. Uh, and that Jesus Christ is part of that Godhead, that He is fully divine. It is, it is that God that we must believe in, must believe that He exists. Um, you know, really believing that God is, it really means believing everything God reveals to us about Himself. I mean, that's the only way you can believe in the God of the Bible is to believe all we're told about Him, all He's told us about Himself, all of His different attributes, His ways, how, how He is and how He works, that He is a God of justice and holiness and wrath on the one hand, that He's a God of wisdom and goodness, that He's a God of great power, a God of 
infinite knowledge, a God who is unchanging, a God who is full of grace and mercy and patience and compassion, a God who is like this, that such a God as this really, really lives. He really exists. He's really watching. He's listening for you to come to Him. That's the first thing. We must believe that He is. And then the second thing he says is we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. This is a glorious thought that God, our God, is a rewarder. It's a, it just, to me, it's the general idea that God is generous, that God is gracious to the needy, that God is willing to give blessing. He's willing to meet needs, as, as Dick just talked about this morning, he's willing to open his hand and satisfy the, the needs of all flesh. Uh, that our God is full of wonderful blessing, full of treasure, and willing to bestow it freely on those who simply come to Him and ask. That's what grace is, beloved. God, our rewarder. When we come to God, when we come to God, we come as needy people. All of us come as needy people. If you've known the Lord 30 years, you probably appreciate more how needy you are when you come to God. We all come with needs. God doesn't need us, but we need Him desperately. But He's the rewarder of those who come. Uh, I know I'm talking this morning to some number of you that are lost in your sins. And maybe some of you children, I don't know you all personally, but there ought to be a word for you. There ought to be a word of encouragement for you in this verse. And I, I hope you can see it this morning. Um, really, it's a road map, if you want to see it that way. A road map for coming to God. He says, he says you can come. You can come by faith. Just Believe, just believe, believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And those rewards, those rewards come to us entirely on the basis of the Lord Jesus Christ, the person and work of Christ. We, we, get, we get rewards entirely because of what Jesus has done, what He accomplished, that the Lord Jesus Christ took on flesh, that He dwelt among us, that He fully experienced the human experience in this world for all those years, that He suffered the, the persecution and ill-treatment of men. At last, that He laid down His life as a sinless, spotless sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, that He died in the place of sinners, that He rose from the dead as He had predicted and with great power on the third day, that He appeared to many, that He ascended into heaven, that He ever lives to make intercession for us there as our high priest. It's this Jesus, it's His work 
that is merited all these rewards, all these treasures that we speak of that God extends to those who simply come by faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done. Think of the reward. Think of the, of the rewards there in the Gospel. Think of all that's available in Christ just for coming by faith. Your sins, the Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. You maybe sinned a million times in your life, and in a moment... God wipes the slate clean. They're all gone. They're all paid for in Christ. And, and, and you're not just left with a blank slate. But God comes back and writes in the righteousness of Christ is imputed to your record. It's written into the books in your account. You stand before Him righteous. Not only that, but your old stony sinful heart gets replaced. And gets replaced with a heart of flesh for the first time. We love God. We have a desire for holiness. We have the ability to have substantial victory over sin and to be more and more and more like Christ. The Lord does that to us. It's part of His rewards, part of His treasure for those who seek Him. Oh, not only that, God the Holy Spirit, God Himself comes to live inside our hearts. God draws that near to us, to live in us, to, to minister to us, to be our helper and our comforter and our encourager and our teacher throughout our whole life to make us more and more like Christ. Think of these blessings, these treasures that are ours, these rewards that God bestows. Not only that, we have, we have fellowship with the Lord. The Lord answers our prayers. The Lord uh, meets our needs. All the promises in Christ, the Bible says, are yea and amen. They're yours. The answer is yes, yes, yes on all the promises of God. And, and really, it's not just that God gives treasures, but God Himself is the treasure. He's, you have me. You have, you have fellowship with the living God. We'll know Him. We'll walk with Him, not just in this life, but, but He'll take us to heaven with old Enoch. We'll be with God forever and ever one day. It's a glorious, glorious treasure, glorious reward that our God has to give. And it's all for free. He just offers it for free. He doesn't say, keep this big list of rules for 20 years and then we'll talk later. No, He says, just come by faith. Come as you are. Come in your sin and confusion and messed up disaster of a life. And I'll just pour out these blessings upon you. What a thing the Gospel is. Isaiah 55.1 says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. If you have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. It's free for you. It's just free grace in the Gospel. But now there's one, one word in the verse we, we can't pass over lightly. And that's this word seek. He's a rewarder of those who seek him, the, the King James translators especially wanted us to get this, and they put diligently seek. Well, the word diligently isn't exactly there in the, in the text, 
But the meaning's there. The idea that, that seeking involves diligence. It's a sustained, intense search for something of infinite value. Real faith. See, real faith seeks until it finds. Real faith is not going to say, well, I know there's all this treasure out there, but I, I tried it once. I prayed the prayer. I tried to get saved or whatever I did years ago. But I guess it didn't work and you just shrug and go, well, that isn't real. If you really believe there's the treasures we just talked about, then you're going to seek. You're going to seek that like a madman after buried treasure. God's great rewards, they don't go to the lazy, casual sort of seeker. They're for the, the urgent seeker, even the desperate seeker. Um, I remember Uncle Charles' message from several years ago. You probably remember it too about, about the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. Just the thought that, it, that it, takes, it takes violence to get into the kingdom sometime. You have to be that serious, that desperate about seeking the Lord, about saying That's a tra- those are treasures, those are rewards I've got to have. And, and God's offered them to me, and I'm, I'm not going to quit. I'm sure I've laid hold of everything there is for me in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? You think you can seek God like that? And God just never gives it to you. It just never happens. You think that's possible? No, it's not. He promises so clearly. Jeremiah 29 Verse 13, he says, you shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. It's a promise to you if you don't know the Lord today. But I also think there's a real encouraging word here for those of us that are believers who do know the Lord. Here in verse 6. You see, we, it's not just that we come to God once when we're converted. But we come to God every single day, don't we? I mean, every time we pray, we're, we're coming to God again. Every time you meet together for worship, we're coming to God. We're coming to the rewarder. We're, we're looking for some more treasure from Him. We've, we're needy people. We have, we, have, we have things God has to do for us. And we're seeking Him for, for, for what we need. And we can walk closer and closer with Him like Enoch did, you know, for those 300 years of getting closer and closer to God. We're on that, that same path, however many years God gives us, that we come to Him again and again. Um, you know, how do we approach God as Christians? When we come to Him, how do we do it? I think the answer is we do it the same way. We do it as the verse says. We come by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We don't come to God by works. You know, we're, we're still coming by faith. We're still looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not saying, God, you owe me this stuff because I've been real good this week. No, we're, we're pleading the merits of Christ. And saying, Lord, would you bless me because I'm your child. Because Jesus died for my sins. Because you've set your love upon me. Would you help me out here? We come by faith, pleading His promises. You know, really, as I thought about it, it seems like every spiritual battle in our lives comes down to a faith issue at some point, doesn't it? Isn't it? I mean, there's some truth there. God's told us something. And are, are we going to believe it? Are we going to hold on to the truth of God or are we not? And that's, you know, that's where it gets won and lost right there. 
Um, believing, believing God. How is it in our prayer life? How is it in our prayer life, beloved? Uh, we come to God in prayer. I know we pray. Um, do we pray as one coming to God, the rewarder? The rewarder of those who seek Him. I mean, are we praying really expecting God to do stuff for us? To do these things that we we ask for? Or are we just kind of going through a, the ritual of prayer making? You know, are, are we so tied up in, in our, you know, our, our, our theology and the sovereignty of God and so forth? We've gotten to this the fatalistic mentality. Well, you know, God's going to do what He's going to do and... And you know, I'll do my I'll do my praying here. I know it's supposed to pray. It's probably therapeutic for me or whatever to do my prayers. You ever felt that way? That that's, that's I'm just going. Th- no, God wants us to come by faith. God wants us to come with the expectation that He will answer our prayers, that He will do these things, that He will meet our needs out of His out of His His treasury, out of His riches of grace. He wants us to look to Him like that. He He wants us to view Him as our as our our, our rewarder, our giver, our our supplier, our need meter. We shouldn't. We shouldn't ever think it bothers God. It bothers Him for us to keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking. No, it honors Him. That's what He wants. That's the role He wants to be in. The One who is constantly our Father, meeting the needs of His children. He, he wants it to work that way. You know what? It really insults Him when we're the other way. It insults Him when we don't expect, when we don't really expect Him to do what we ask Him. To do, when we're not not expecting anything from him, um, but he delights to bless us, and he he really hates the pride, the pride that makes us so self sufficient that we don't pray, or that we don't pray with expectation, or we don't pray with a sense of of need, of of this desperation, this seeking, this intensity. Lord, I need you in this thing. Lord, you must help in this matter. Right here. Beloved, God gives us so many promises. Think of the Bible old Enoch had. <laughs> it wasn't much of a Bible, was it? I mean, I, I guess what he had were some, you know, some oral traditions, some stories passed down to him. Maybe some things had been written down. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but he, he took what he had and he believed it. And he drew near to the Lord and the Lord showed him more. The Lord brought him in closer and, and he believed that. He walked in that light and, and he exercised faith in that. And, and the Lord just took him further and further along in his walk with him. And we, we've been blessed with so much, so many promises, so many things that should, that should stimulate our faith, that should make us, make us feel strong and confident when we come to the Lord. He's given us every possible encouragement to do this. He promises, you know, He'll never leave us or forsake us. He promises that He'll supply all of our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. He promises He'll answer our prayers. How many verses are there that just these wide open, 
invitations to pray and expect that he'll he'll do things. He'll meet our needs. He promises to complete the work he began in us. That's wonderful. That takes in so much stuff. A whole process of sanctification. That he's working all things together for our good. I mean, just we could go on all morning with the promises that God has given us. The the rich treasury that he's just opened up to us. He says, just come, just 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 seek me by faith and you'll find that I'm the rewarder. I'm the rewarder. I'm the one that that meets your needs. Believe says, believe that he is. Remind ourselves of who He is. That's a, you know, that's a lot of the problem. We, we know all these things. We can list God's attributes. You know this. We just need to remind ourselves, it seems, every day of, of who He is, who our God is that we call upon, that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Amen.